Once again, happy Sabbath. Good to see you all, and those that I can't see, wherever you are, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, I, I have been so blessed this morning seeing the families participate, and Brother Stewart, and the songs, and Sister Dodd, just everybody. So uh, thank you all guys for accepting the challenge today, because today we're going to be speaking on families, so I wanted the families to participate and say that they've done just an awesome job. So today's topic is COVID-era families. Remember my last topic, which was on Mother's Day? Yeah? COVID-era moms? Okay, well, today is COVID-era families. So we're going to go ahead and put it up on the screen here. You guys can take notes. We have some information to share. We're going to start with some very important questions this morning. Okay, so let's start with some important questions that has to do with this COVID era that we have been trying to survive. So COVID-era families. Question number one, has this COVID-era brought your family closer to God? Has this COVID era helped your marriage in any way? For those that are married. Are your children more resilient? Hopeful that, that, that that's the case. Is your family or your marriage stronger? Is your family as a unit more faithful to the Lord because of this COVID era? So this is very important questions. Fundamental questions that we should be asking ourselves about our resilience, about our marriage, about our family. So let's pray. Dear God, as we go through this topic, we've gone through so much. And my heart is so burning, Lord, as we see day by day families and friends that are suffering through this crisis. Uh, just this morning, I heard of a family member that just passed away in their home country. And some of the family doesn't even know because they're also in the hospital. So God... Uh, we are overwhelmed with all of this, and yet we know that you're always a step ahead. So today, Lord, as we go through this topic, talk to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, you know, we, we live in a country that we love to do research. I mean, this is the country of stats, right? I mean, they study everything. I mean, they, they study everything. So, of course, they've been studying this COVID era, you know, and everything that has been going on. And they have studied about the family, too. So I'm going to share a few stats with you that, for me, was astonishing. Because I thought it was all the contrary. I've been reading a lot of stuff on the newspapers and a lot of things in research. But some of the latest research really, really helped me understand what's going on. So let's share a few things with you. So uh, we'll start here. You know, when, it talk, when we talk about marriage, I mean, I've listened to news that, that actually, when it talks about COVID-19, it's all over the all over the map, you know, there's, there's some articles that I've read that says that, that the, the families, the marriages are being strained by this, by this COVID. Uh, and, and some other studies show that families are stronger now here in the United States. Uh, divorce rates in America are soaring, says the Daily Mail, while the New York Post says, no, divorce is actually falling. The rate is falling. So finally, thanks to a major new study by family uh, American Family Survey, that's what it's called, it's uh, AFS. Uh, we have enough uh, data now that we can venture to assess uh, marriage and family during this pandemic. So we have some good news and some bad news. So I'll start with the bad news, okay? So here we have it. I'm gonna, I don't know if the point is going to work or not, but if it does, it, it might help. Okay, so here we go. So here we have stress in marriage. That's one of the bad news. I mean, 
marriages have been just so stressed during this COVID. But not all marriages the same. So, so imagine with this pandemic, there was also a lot of financial situations. There was a lot of people that were suffering either the loss of jobs or maybe they had some hours taken away or they were on furlough. I mean, just, just all type of situations that really damaged their finances. So beyond all the stress that the health crisis already caused and the shut-in and all the other stuff, imagine a poor family, a working-class family that's also suffering financially. <laughs> so look, look at the stats here. So we have here the decliners. This is people that... Uh, were, were actually, their finances went down. That's why they called them decliners. 45% of those marriages between the ages of 18 and 55 say that all this coronavirus era has been too stressful. 45%. Then we have, of course, the studies, those that their finances more or less stayed the same, 28%. But then what caused a lot of curiosity to me were the improvers, those that are actually better financially now, 35% of those say that they're all stressed out. So it doesn't mean that just because you're getting more money, you're not going to get stressed. That brings some new challenges also. So th this is just something that I found very, very interesting. Now, another thing that I found interesting was the decline in marriages. So here we have just a, uh, I, I took this shot here. It's just Arizona, Florida, Hawaii, uh, Rhode Island, just a few states. So you can see that all of them had the same trend. So if you notice here, right in the, in the summer months, you know, right, actually right when the, the coronavirus hit, but then you go down here to May and June, July, these months here, right here, people just were not getting married. It could have been because of, of uh, the coronavirus, actually, because uh, if it's expensive to get married and you're not getting enough money, you're going you're gonna to postpone your wedding, right? Or how about the courts that were closed? They were literally closed. A lot of the courts were not receiving anybody. So marriage license went down. A lot of people just weren't able to get their marriage license. And a lot of people just, wanted, just didn't want to run the risk, so they were not getting married. So this is another bad news. A lot of people just had to wait, you know, and then we see it uh, spike again up here uh, close to the end of the summer. So we, it's marriage license start going back up again and people start getting married again and so uh, I find that very very interesting so marriages were down another bad news there has never been in this country so many cases of anxiety depression sleeping disorders and other mental health issues like what we're going through now with the COVID era actually you know uh, I was talking with Diana the other day she's doing her clinical uh a practice for, you know, she's going to be a marriage and, and, and family therapist. And so she's saying there's just so many cases of people going to therapy. And, and, you know, that's a good thing because if they are stressed out like we saw, if they are going through difficult situations, well, they better get some help. So that's a good thing. But then you don't find enough people to help them. You know, so, so it's, it, it's, it's tremendous how mental health has become one of the hugest issues, and this is all uh, across the board, not only marriages, families in general, even singles, uh, just everybody. But we have some good news, and, and this is where this struck me. This study shows us that for most post-COVID marriages, they are more committed and they appreciate more of their partners. 
Wow, isn't that amazing? So, you know, when, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, right? So uh, men and women, they turn to each other when things are going really, really bad, you know, to find that, that support, that uh, uh, sus sustenance, that solidarity. And, and so uh, in 2020, in the midst of all these trials, in the midst of all these tribulations, you know, we went through, a, uh, I would say, the worst recession in a century, political uh, and social turmoil that we, that we faced, uh, wildfires, just to name a few. But we found out in this study that many marriages have seen their marriages grow stronger. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So, so here's the report. So we're just going to share this. I have a lot of stuff to share, but I'm not going to keep you guys entertained with this. So here we go. Here we go. 51%. Of all marriages that participated in the survey say that this COVID era deepened their commitment to their marriage. Amen? And then we have here 58%, almost 60%, made me appreciate my partner more. Amazing. So we thought it would have been the contrary, but actually for many married Americans, especially those who, who have, you know, gone through all this situation, even those that have financially been struck, their, their marriage actually went up. It actually, for them, it was a little higher. It was like 65% or something like that. So uh, I found that very interesting. Now, another thing that I found is that th there's less divorce. There's less divorce. Now, that necess doesn't necessarily mean that couples that are struggling are happier, <laughs> okay? Uh, I, I'm just saying that during this lockdown and during all this COVID, uh, th there hasn't been a lot of divorce, and that's basically for several reasons. One is because the courts were closed, like I mentioned, so they, they couldn't file their divorce. Uh, even though self-help divorce online rose 34%, you know, because a lot of people, if you don't have minors, you can get a, a divorce online, you know, so uh, they just made things a lot easier for these, for these couples, which was not a good thing. But So, you know, divorce can be expensive, so if people are going through financial uh, situations, well, you know, they probably wanted to postpone that. And a lot of times they just found that it's, it was probably easier just to keep living together even though things were not going good. But, but just sticking together financially would have uh, helped them out also. So, you know, we found a lot of uh, interesting things. Uh, now, something that I also found interesting was this. And th this table, this chart here is very interesting because the yellow line that you see here are the couples that say that their marriage is not in trouble. And this is the one that say it is in trouble. So notice how the, the trend is. So we can say for sure, according to the stats, that these married men and women, ages 18 to 55, had a decline from 2019 of 40% of couples saying that their marriages were in trouble to only 29% in 2020. But that doesn't mean that everybody is doing good. I'm just, I'm just sharing some, some facts, okay? So, of course, in the midst of this pandemic, we can see a, a lot of things going on. But the main conclusion from this data is the resilience that families have. Families have become more resilient because of this pandemic. So on the balance, you know, good news and the bad news that I've shared, uh, I think during this time of COVID, marriages and family are better than we expected. And so we want to thank God for that. I think God has intervened in many ways. Now, without a doubt, there has been many challenges for you, many challenges for our marriages, for our families during this COVID time. You know, the, the effects of, 
of COVID on our mental health, on religious commitment. And other areas are still being researched. You know, they, they believe that only one of every four church members that were faithful are going to go back to their churches once they reopen totally. So that, that's, that's not a good thing. But as a pastor and as a spiritual leader, I don't, I don't want to focus so much on your survival. I want to make sure that you thrive, okay, through this uh, situation. You know, it's, it's not about surviving. It's about thriving. Uh, my focus is not on the psychological or physical or emotional well-being of my church members. I think it goes just a little further. I, I think as a pastor, I want your family to be stronger in Christ. I, I want you to be more mature spiritually because of all this that we've been going through. That is my prayer every single day, that Garland Faith Community Church can become stronger disciples because of everything that we've been going through. I truly believe that COVID is an opportunity that God has given us to be better followers of Jesus. So what I've done today to, to help us out with this COVID-era family sermon is I used the word COVID, and I did look what is called uh, an acrostic, right? So every letter means something. So the, the secret for our families to survive and thrive and not only be well physically, emotionally, and mentally, but spiritually, is to have a family that is centered in Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and pull this up for you. So God's era, COVID era family is God's plan. Okay, so here we go. Christ-centered family. So that's the C. So take note of that, okay? The C means what? Christ-centered families. The question is, how can we reach that? How can we make that happen? How can we secure that our family is centered in Christ. And so that's where we go to the letter O. So let's go ahead and go to the letter O. We must, as followers of Christ, as families, as marriages, we need to offer prayer often. Not just once in a while, often. We need to offer prayers with our family and for our family. It, be, it, it needs to be a spiritual discipline. It needs to be a spiritual habit. Prayer can make a world of difference, brothers and sisters. It makes a world of difference. So offer prayers often. Not only for your family, with your family. There's two different activities there, right? There's two different actions there. When you pray alone, and talk to God and pray for your son and your daughter and your husband or your wife. Pray. But it's different when you pray with them. You pray with them. So there's three reasons why we should pray. So let's, let's go to this. Three reasons to pray as a family. Number one, number one, the family that prays together, you've heard this one before, stays together. Yes, we see the spiritual principle in many families throughout my 34 years of ministry i've seen that families that pray together they stay together prayer within the family is important because it's a factor of change you know when 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 things get really difficult like this covid era prayer is sometimes the only thing that has sustained us children need to see their parents pray at home Someone wrote, if they see their parents pray slowly, remain silent, close their eyes, and get on their knees, children intuitively 
grasps the importance of these moments and sends the presence of God in their homes. That, that happened to me many times. I would wake up in the morning. I have to go pee-pee, right? So I wake up and go by the, by, by the hallway, and I would see my dad, four, five in the morning, kneeling down and praying. So one day I had the guts to ask him what he was praying for. And he said, son, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your siblings. I'm praying for my marriage. Oh, that, that makes a difference because it says here that they will understand and they will sense the presence of God in the home. It is vital that when we pray, we do it with devotion. It's not just the words that we say. Children learn to pray by praying with their parents. You know, we need to make sure that our children participate in prayer with us. We need to ask them to pray, to have their own prayers, but also to pray when we're with them. They learn to do that when we give them the opportunity. So, you know, they'll repeat maybe some simple, simple formulas at, at the beginning, uh, maybe a song. Sometimes we pray with a song, right? Uh, or in silence, they can speak to God. So, you know, J Jesus Christ taught us that where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Matthew 17, 19. So, you know, praising God, thanking him, asking him for gifts are an essential part of family life. Now, God wants a unity that is derived from him. You know, Paul, Paul talks about the unity in the church, and Jesus talked about the unity in marriage. Well, you know, if we really prayed like we should, maybe there would be no divisions in the churches. Maybe there would be less divorces. Maybe less prodigal sons. Another reason that we should pray, let me put this up here for you guys, is to exert a positive and effective influence on our children. Nothing can happen through us if it doesn't happen to us first. Solomon spoke a great truth when he said, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are happy after him. Proverbs 27. So this is the positive consequence that we see in our children when we live righteously. Parents who live a double life that have a relationship with God that's not really understandable because sometimes they're not coherent with what they preach. And so, and so what happens when a parent is a bad example for their kids? They, they, they live a double life. Well, our kids are going to live a superficial Christianity. That's what's going to happen. Dr. James Dobson said, the tracks that a child follows are likely to be those that his parents tries to hide the most. So there's no other way to do it. Moses already said it, and these words which I say unto you today will be in your heart. In whose heart? In mama's heart. In daddy's heart. That's where it needs to be first. Having the word of God in our hearts means reading, studying, meditating on it. And of course, Applying it, you know, to, to our everyday lives. Out of the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. And, and, and last but not least, as far as these three points are concerned, is if we want to be blessed 
and we want to be prosperous and successful in God's view, not, not in human beings' view. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about you being successful in God's plans for your life. Okay, so I, I just want to make sure that no one, no one goes out of here. The pastor was preaching uh, prosperity gospel. No, I'm preaching that whatever God plans for you, that can come to be if you pray. If you live a life of devotion to God. Prayer for what you work for. And what you pray for, work and strive for. Okay? This is the true conjunction of, of, of work and prayer. You know, they, they go together. So my advice to you is to create ways for your family to pray. Find different ways to, to practice this. Give thanks to God. Allow them to pray. Give them the tools they need to be emotionally and spiritually strong. So I do have... A quote here that I, I really liked. This is Ellen White. Child Guidance, a fantastic book. She says, every family should what? Should rear its altar of prayer, realizing that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If any person in the world needs the strength and encouragement that religion gives, it is those who are responsible for the, for the education and training of children. Fathers, mothers, you need to see God morning and evening at the family altar that you may learn how to teach your children wisely, tenderly, and lovingly. So just a question for you to take home. How's your family altar going? Let's go to the, to the V now. So we have Christ-centered families, and to have a Christ-centered family, we need to offer prayers often with and for our family, but then we have to visit others to encourage them to serve those around us that are suffering. I, I found it very interesting that in, in a symposium that was just uh, the other day, I think about a week ago, with uh, Hope Channel, when they talked about the, the COVID vaccine and all that, uh, one of the uh, social workers there uh, was mentioning how the, the rate of suicide among adults has gone way down. We would think it would have gone up during COVID. But what happened was that a lot of those that didn't find meaning in life, they started helping their neighbor. They would go buy the groceries for their neighbor that was elderly. They couldn't go shopping. They, they would do things for others. Life made sense now because they were helping others. They were not just focused on themselves. You know, so I, I found that very interesting. So, so let, let, let's talk a little bit about this. What happens when we serve others? Well, I have six things here real quick. So first of all, the family that serves together grows together, yes. Relationships are strengthened as a family when you're serving others, when you spend time either once a week or once a month just, just getting away from your comfort zone and going and serving the homeless or, or helping in the community center or going somewhere and doing something for somebody. Oh, yes, you will grow as individuals and as a family. You will grow mentally, physically, socially, spiritually. Wow. So, so when you expose your children to serve, it makes you a better parent. It teaches them life lessons that there's no other way that they're going to be able to learn them. And, of course, you learn along, along the way too, you know. Number two, the family that serves together loves together. Yes. You know, by serving, families can learn how to love people better. You know, one of the biggest issues that we've been struggling for over a year now has been the this, this social injustice and, and, and all this stuff that, that you guys hear on the news. 
Well, you know, a lot of times we grow up as individuals with these stereotypes. We grow up with these preconceived notions, mental filters that affect the way that we see people. We jump to conclusions without even knowing them. We don't even have information. We don't take the time to know people. So that's only going to lead to frustration, to anger, or hatred. But when you surround yourself to help other people, when you're committed to know people, their stories, their situations, their needs, oh, then the door opens so that you can learn to love. That's why it's so important that the family serves because the family that serves together loves together. Let's go to the next one. The family that serves together heals together. There, there, there's something about serving that just brings this, this, this healing to our life. Positive feelings that come from helping someone else makes you forget about your problems, just like the, 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 the rates of suicide in adults. It didn't, it didn't do, go that way for teenagers because they thought their whole world had blown away. And if those parents that were helping others found meaning in, leave, in, in, in serving others, if they would have gotten their kids involved, maybe the suicide rates in young, young, young teenagers would have dropped also. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is healing when we serve others. Because then we understand that my major problem is not too major. When you go out there and see what these people are suffering, you say, hey, my problem that I thought was this big, it's actually this big. Families that spend quality time together serving in some capacity create opportunities to work through their own challenges. Brothers and sisters who often hate each other, <laughs> talking about siblings, when they go out and help others, and they say, my sibling is a blessing. I, ha I have someone that's caring for me, right? Parents come to understand that their children have issues, but their issues are not as bad as the people that we are serving. Healing happens at all levels when we commit to a life of service. It's amazing. Number four, number four, the family that serves together laughs together. Yes, because when you're out there serving and, 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 you're, and you're, you're together, it's, it's a good time to, to joke, to laugh, to, to just fellowship. When you laugh together, you grow together. And I can tell you for a fact that one of my greatest memories that I have when I was growing up is when we went out to serve other people. Some of my fondest memories as, as a young person is when our family would go and do something for somebody else. Number five, the family that serves together influences together. Yes, you can have a more powerful influence in society just by serving others. And I have learned this firsthand, you know, because every time I, <laughs> I serve other people and then they serve other people because of my example, wow. That is mind-blowing. Our influence. When a family is out there giving food to, to a needy family, a, a homeless person, and people drive by, you think that doesn't have an impact? That's a tremendous impact. Sometimes they go home and say, hey, Dad, did you see what that family was doing? Can't we do the same? Acts of kindness and service can go a long way. Serving others opens doors. To influence others. And number six, the family that serves together, oh yeah, stays together. When you choose to be vulnerable with your family, 
and you open the doors for growth. Bonds are created. The family is strengthened. There is blessings. There's, there's value in what your family does to contribute to others. Your love grows for them as you cherish every moment that you spend together. And I could talk a lot about this, but let's, let, let's go to this inspired word here. This is uh, another uh, paragraph of Ellen White. It says, Christ's followers have been redeemed for what? For service. Our Lord teaches that the true object of life is ministry. Christ himself was a worker, and to all his followers, he gives the law of service. Service to God and to their fellow men. Here Christ has presented to the world a higher conception of life than they had ever known. By living to minister to others, man is brought into connection with Christ. The law of service becomes the connecting link that binds us to God and to our fellow man. What a powerful paragraph. Amazing. Next, the I in the word COVID. Okay, are you guys ready? Take note. Involve yourself and family with church. What did I say? Church. Want to hear it again? Church. Here's some questions for you guys. What? Why go to church? And I'm not talking just the building. You can go to church on a Zoom meeting. You can go to church like the kids, you know, with Zoom right there in the Sabbath school class. You can go to Zoom. You can go to church in using different medias. But do you think it's possible to truly grow in your walk with God without attending church regularly? Oh, 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 why go to church? I mean, that's, a, that's an honest question. Why go to church? What is the purpose of going to church? Is church actually necessary? What are the benefits of going to church? Now, Elder Stewart and Elder Rodness, Elder Marlin, Elder Wilton, I, I'm going to get something off my chest. Is that okay? All right. So I got, I got your backup? All right. So, so if I mess up, guys, I have a team that's backing me up. So you said yes. All right. So, so here's the deal. I see folks, and I'm talking about Christian folks. They go to Walmart. They go to Kroger. They, 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 they go wherever they prefer shopping, and there's no COVID there. They, they, they go to the beauty salon, and they, they, there's no COVID there. They, they, they go to sports events. No COVID. They, they, they go to their friend's house. And meet with other families and there's no COVID there. The only place there's COVID is church. Now I know that when this pandemic hit, there was a lot of fear. I, I can understand that. And only love, the love of God is the only thing that can take that fear away. The Bible says that. Only, only the love of God can take that fear away. But now, it seems more like an excuse than fear. So I, I just have to get that off my chest. Because, I mean, I see people all over the place except church. So am I good? Okay, I can continue then. Okay. <sighs> okay. I, I just had to get that off. Okay, thank you guys so much. All right, so, yeah, you can read your Bible at home. You can watch a good program on television, Hope Channel, Amazing Facts. Oh, but it's not the same, guys. It's not the same. There's reasons for going to church regularly. And what does the Bible say about that? Well, Luke 4, 16, we usually use it to connect Sabbath truth, right? And Jesus went to the synagogue as was his, his what? His custom, and he stood up and read the word of God. 
And so we emphasize the Sabbath, but then we forget to emphasize the other part. He would attend regularly. So he's our example. We have to emulate his actions, his behavior. So what is the purpose of going to church? So, so in order to understand that, you know, we, we, we have to think that church is more than a place just to hear a sermon, for, for starters. So, so let me go there real quick here. So I have here five purposes of going to church. Yes, to worship. Do we have an awesome God that deserves to be worshipped? The church is a place to come together to worship God. Look what the Bible says. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, Strongs from songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. So it's saying that worship is a fundamental element of coming to church. Church is also a place for fellowship. Oh, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a place to come together. And fellowship with other believers. Hebrews 10.25 says, not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. And some are getting more into that habit than others. But encouraging one another. Notice the, the purpose of fellowship. To encourage one another and all the more as you see that the day, the day is approaching. What day? The day of the second coming of Jesus. So the church helps us to learn the Bible, to apply it to our lives. That, that's why we come to church. And the more we observe the, word of, uh, absorb the word of God, the better prepared we are to walk in his ways. L listen to what the Bible says, Luke 640. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So isn't it amazing just to come and fellowship and learn together to walk in God's ways? Then we have another one. Of course, we talked about this in the, in the, in the other section. So, uh, well, not yet. So this is discipleship. So this is very important, discipleship, because member and disciple are two different things. And we heard the sermon the other day, so I don't have to go there. The church helps us to discern God's voice. It helps us to know God's will. And it helps us to be a true disciple. That's what church does. Then, of course, service. And we talked a little bit about this, you know, serving the community, serving those that are going through tough times, even serving our own church members. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. That's what the Bible says, 1 Peter 4.10, as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. So that means that God has given different gifts to all of us. But the reason he has given those gifts is for us to serve. So we have to use those gifts to serve God to our best capacity. And then, of course, evangelism. You know, the, the, the church's main purpose of existing is the gospel. That, that's why we exist as a church, you know, to share the gospel of Jesus. The Bible says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of there. Now, is there any benefit of coming to church? Well, I want to talk just about two Two benefits, the spiritual benefits and the mental benefits, because I wouldn't have time to talk about the rest, you know, the physical benefits and the emotional benefits. So I'll just talk about these two. So the spiritual benefits, how does this help us coming to church? The benefits of being a Christian and going to church impacts our life. 
And spiritually, you know, the Bible says, we already read it, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among you. So going to church regularly and participating in worship and hearing the message will help us to listen to God's voice. You know, Isaiah 30, 21 says, and your, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. In other words, the more we're surrounded by others, I want you guys to follow this. The more we're surrounded by others that have the same purpose of getting to know God and to flourish spiritually by being with that type of group of people, that's what's going to help you flourish. So that's why it's so important. Mental benefits. Yeah. I was uh, reading an article that says that attending church regularly just might be the catalyst to overcoming your own mental health struggles. Wow. So, so many of us need to refocus our anxiety, our depression. Instead of allowing those things to consume us, we, we need to focus more on God and allow him to take care of our anxiety and our depression. So by going to church regularly and surrounding yourself by other Christians, you're actually encouraged. How many times have we not been encouraged by another member of the church? Saying, Nathan, you got this. You, you can do this. God is with you. You can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. And, and sometimes we get a call in the middle of the week, you know. And, and so just supporting each other and being there for each other can help us manage in a better sense, our mental health. Lives are transformed. Now, we have one more, the letter D. So what do you think the letter D is? <laughs> okay, so let's see what the letter D is, okay? Uh, let, let, let's go here, see what happened. This didn't want, there it goes. So let, let, let's read this paragraph first. So this is about going to church, and I'm not saying this. I didn't invent this. Look what the Spirit of Prophecy says. To the humble, believing soul, the house of God on earth is the gate of heaven. I'm going to read it again because I, I saw some of you just, your eyes just open up like, what? So here it goes. To the humble, believing soul, the house of God on earth is the gate of heaven. The song of praise, the prayer, the words spoken by Christ's representatives are God's appointed agencies to prepare a people for the church above. For that lofter worship into which there can enter nothing that defileth. So, what is the church? <laughs> Here you go, man. The gate, the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. Okay, so now let's go to the letter D. So, we have to discover ways of doing what? Sharing Jesus. So, so I'm going to make up a scene here. So, you go to a friend's house. And you feel really comfortable at his home, so comfortable that you can go to the fridge and get whatever you want, right? Have you ever been in a friend's house where you can do that? You haven't? Oh, then you're still missing a lot of things in life. If you go to a friend's house and you can just go to the fridge and get whatever you want, that's home. Okay? So, so you go there and you want to eat this piece of cake. It has the frosting on it. It, it looks so good. Oh, I want that piece of cake. But the, the problem is that the cake has been there for six months. And the cake is spoiled. But you get the cake, you get the fork, you dig into it, and you're about to eat it. 
and your friend doesn't say anything. And he's just waiting to see how intoxicated you're going to get. What would you think about your friend? That's not a good friend. That friend is supposed to prevent you from going through that hardship of getting intoxicated and having to go to the hospital and maybe have to go through a, a series of tests and, 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 you know, and waste a lot of money just going to the hospital. He could have told you that cake is spoiled. You know, there's so many people in this world that don't know Jesus. And they want that spoiled cake. And we ain't saying nothing. What type of Christians are we? So imagine if we get our family involved in preaching the gospel, what that can do. Okay? Imagine what, what we can do if we preach the gospel together as a family. There are many people, like I say, that, that they have a great need for God. Many times we do not tell them, and, and we restrain from, from letting them know about him. But you and I know that without Christ in their heart, they're doomed for eternal death. There, there's a lot of important things in life. Like I wrote a few things here, like, like having fun, going to some activity that's, that, that's, that's fun. Uh, young people, you know, they, they love to have fun. Uh, maybe going to a, a, a friend's birthday party or even meeting someone whom maybe they can marry later on, you know, and, and, and start a family. Uh, but, but there's something that we cannot forget. God has given us a task. He has given us a task of making disciples of all nations. Yes, it's comfortable to come to church. I, I'm, I'm just hoping for that day where we can have potluck again. <laughs> I'm waiting for that day. Because that, that, that's, that's beautiful. You know? Just stay around after church and eat together or, or have nice clothes, uh, make new friends on Facebook or, or you know, whatever uh, social media you're using, you know, TikTok or whatever. And, and so you're making friends, uh, you know, but the question is, are you taking advantage of all the opportunities that God has given you to share the gospel? Are you, are you finding ways to avoid people from eating that spoiled cake? That tragic ending that they will receive if they don't have Jesus in their hearts and walk according to his word. You know, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, everybody. You know, and John 8, 31 says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So if we want people to be God's disciples, we have to share with them the word of God. So, so here's just a few ideas that I jotted down during the week. So invite others to your family worship. It could be virtual or it could be in person, whatever is more comfortable for you at this stage. But if you have family worship, imagine the impact that would have on another family if you invite them to your family worship. And why do you guys do this? And then you do the family worship, and then they say, now I understand. Wow, I felt the presence of God. You know, what, what else can we do? So I, I wrote a few more things down. Uh, giving away literature, that's so simple. You know, just so simple. Just get a few glow tracks together and go out to the community or the parking lot at a grocery store. Just give those out and just say, this is for you to have a brighter day. Say, you don't have to give a sermon or anything. Okay? How about being part of a small group? Sometimes the churches have small groups. Our, our church has two small groups, and, and you can be part of a small group as a family. Family church church with a message. This is incredible. Every time I travel and I put a T-shirt that has a Christian message on it, I have a lot of contacts to share Jesus. This is incredible. I think we should only have T-shirts 
that have Christian messages or Christian Bible verses or, or an encouraging uh, word on them. I mean, why, why be promoting all these brands and stuff? I don't get it. But if you put something on your T-shirt like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You think that's not going to catch someone's attention? So imagine if you go somewhere as a family and each one of you have a T-shirt on with a beautiful message of hope. Imagine what that can do. You're sharing Jesus. Social media. You need to have a sharing space on your social media. It doesn't matter what platform you use. It should be used for God. Yes, every home should be a church and every device, yeah, every device needs to be a pulpit. Every device needs to be a pulpit. So use your social media to encourage others and to tell them that Jesus died for them on the cross and that he's coming back and they need to get ready. One more. Invite others to church services. Yeah, if we're having an in-person service and you have someone that can come to church, bring them. Invite them to church. Now, there's a prophetic word that I want to put up here. This is, this is incredible. Now, this is not going to happen unless we teach our children today to share Jesus. Today. So, so listen to this. I, I love this. It says, in the closing scenes of the earth's history, many of these children and youth, look, look what they're going to do. Look what they're going to do. Will admonish people by their witness to the truth, which will be born in simplicity, yet with spirit and power. In the near future, many, many children, it could be your child, could your, it could be your boy, your girl. Many children will be endued with the spirit of God and will do a work in proclaiming the truth to the world that at that time cannot well be done by older members of the church. God's going to use all ages, so don't get me wrong. He's going to use all ages. But imagine how impressing and how impactful it's going to be when a little kid, seven years old, eight years old, gets up and speaks with the power of the Holy Spirit, convincing people to apart from sin and give their lives to Jesus. Wow. I think we need to start getting a, a children preacher's club organized here at church. You know, we, we need to start getting them prepared. But as parents, that's on us. That's on us in first place. We need to teach them to share Jesus now so when that time comes, the Holy Spirit can take over them and, and, and give them that power to preach. So here we have it, Hope. Here we have it, guys. A Christ-centered family. How do we achieve that? Offering prayer often with and for our family. Visit others to encourage and serve those around you and, and those that are suffering. Involve yourself and family with church. Discover ways of sharing Jesus. How many of you would like to not only survive but to thrive through this COVID era? Yes. How many of you would like to be better disciples of Jesus? How many of you want your families to be blessed and to follow closely the steps of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, there you have it. It's a simple formula. No big deal. The hard part is applying it. Saying it is easy. But as you go home today, pray about it. And say, Jesus, give me the strength to have a Christ-centered family. Let's stand up for prayer.
Dear God, we are so amazed at what you can do in our lives when we allow you to. And today, Lord, we want to place our families in your divine care. We have gone through so much these last months. Over a year already, Lord. I've seen so much suffering and pain and, and many other things going on in society. Not, not only COVID, a lot of other things. And yet, Lord, you have been by our side every single step of the way. So today, Lord, we want to consecrate our families to you. We want to consecrate our children to you, our marriages. And for those that are, are single, they still have a powerful influence because other families can be their family just by giving them a true witness of your power and your grace and your love. Dear God, we want a blessing today. We want to be these COVID-era families that will be triumphant and victorious to your honor and your glory. Bless us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.